You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into Kingdom Keys, the official pregame podcast for Arrowhead Pride. I am Nick Schwert with Maurice Elston, Nate Christensen. We are back. It's been a weird schedule lately with the holidays, but... We have resumed regularly scheduled programming after the Chiefs beat the Raiders 31 to 17. We got Thanksgiving week behind us, fellas. How were the holidays? You guys ready to get back in the swing of things here? I'm ready, man. Ready to get back to it. Nate's wearing yeah. the Iowa Hawkeyes hat. And I know he may have, I don't know if he's we're gonna have his complete and total attention today because he's often rocking Iowa gear and <laughs> You guys are looking to make a miracle happen on Saturday. How are you feeling? Well, it's not going to happen, but that's all right. <laughs> it, was still, the, it was still cool to accomplish what they accomplished, given some of their circumstances. But uh, I'm resigned to the fact that they aren't going to win Saturday. But that's all right. I think I saw the over-under for Iowa points in the first half. Is it? Five. Is this right? Is it point five? Yeah. yeah. Okay, will Iowa Both score half. one single point? In the first half, Nate, give us that much. I, I think so. I, I it's in both halves that this is going on. Um, so that they're at 0.5. So I'm confident at least one of them will work, but you have to be wrong on that. <laughs> all right. Well, I think the Chiefs are probably going to hit that number in uh, hopefully all three, all four quarters versus the Packers this week. But before we get to that, guys, the Chiefs beat the Raiders 31 to 17 last weekend, and it felt like sort of a rejuvenating game, especially for this Chiefs offense. Now, if I would have asked you if you felt rejuvenated after the first quarter, probably wouldn't have felt that way. But then all of a sudden, it was all Chiefs. It was the way we thought this team was going to play all season long, scoring 31 points over the final three quarters of that game. Should we start to get our hopes up after that one, guys? Should we start to look at that and say, okay, maybe this team is starting to remind people what they're capable of? I would say... I'm still kind of in the middle ground. Um, I think it was some flashes, but when you when you go back and kind of rewatch the game, when you're not in like the hype moment of it, you still see a lot of things that was left to be desired from the Chiefs offense. A lot of things I feel like was still um, missed. Um, definitely with with Mahomes, still felt like he was kind of belling a little bit on open on pockets where he could have stepped up and hit some throws that. It's just still some lack of trust, I think, is there. But I think it's headed, it's trending in the right direction. I'll say that. It's important, um, I think, over the course of a season when you get punched in the mouth to be able to respond because that's sort of what happens when you get into tight games in the playoffs. And I thought the Chiefs did that. I think the most impressive part was that it didn't take them getting to halftime necessarily. They were able to do it quick after what was really a terrible start. Um, it was instant. I believe it was the third drive. The offense after that looked sharp defense kind of settled in for the most part so that i think that's the most important thing that you can learn is that this chief team kind of got punched in the mouth and they really kind of respond and let their talent kind of win out well, now they're getting ready for a packers team that much like the raiders kind of feels like maybe they've started to trend 
upward over the last couple of weeks. At the very least, Jordan Love certainly has with the way he's playing. But before we get into the keys for Chiefs Packers Sunday night football this week, Maurice, can you hit us with the latest on the injury report for both these teams? Okay, so um, on the Chiefs side, um, only person that did not practice today was um, Jared McKinnon. He he didn't practice, still dealing with the groin injury. Um, other other people that's on the list: Donovan Smith, Kadarius Tony, Rasheed Rice, Lejarius Sneed, and Brian Cook um, all practiced with full participants. Um, Nick Bolton returned to practice today for the Chiefs. Um, still on injury reserve, but that that practice window has been open, so he practiced in a limited fashion for the Chiefs. Um, far as the Packers, um, this is a, a, a full list from them. Forrest did not practice today. Jaden Reed, wide receiver, who's been coming up pretty good for them, did not practice. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones both did not practice. One, um, Dillon with a groin and Aaron Jones with a knee. And then you got a Joshua, um, their tight end. Um, he was limited. Kenny Clark was limited. Uh, Jair Alexander was limited. Um, and I would say uh, in Nixon, their kick return, their cornerback slash kick returner, they was a full participant, but still on the injury list. But they do have Darnell Savage and Eric Stokes um, on injury injury reserve, whose practice window open back up too. So that's some additions that they may be receiving back, but probably maybe a couple weeks on them. So long list for the Packers, um, short list for the Chiefs. So other than that, the Packers are pretty healthy other than the, 17 guys that you just rattled off that (laughs) missed practice or were limited participants in practice. Uh, The Nick Bolton news or the Nick Bolton, at least the progress, right? Because the Chiefs defense has been playing so well without Bolton, it hasn't been the story that maybe we thought it would be when he went down, which is what's this defense going to look like without him? We haven't even talked about Nick Bolton not being out there because this unit has looked like one of the elite defenses in the NFL but I'm curious as to what you guys think will change with this defense, if anything, whenever Nick Bolton does return to play. Well, the first thing I hope is that hope I know it was a wrist injury. Hopefully he's able to tackle all right. That was kind of something I've talked about, I believe a week ago with some people was like, I don't want him to have to wear some like giant club on his hand. I want him to be able to at least like tackle well before they bring him back. So I'm just hoping that's the case. But I think the main thing that Nick Bolton brings to defense is kind of the splash plays and the tackles for loss. Um, you know, Nick Bolton has certainly his ups and downs with like consistency and stuff like that. But when he does generate negative plays, it's huge for a defense in general, like negative plays can end drives. So if you get two of those a game, um, that really does alter drives. That's a, you know, potentially one, if not both drives that are forced into a punt just because of one Nick Bolton play. So I think that getting him back will help the chiefs generate more negative plays. And for a defense already as good as it is, that's just another kind of positive that they kind of add to it. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, the Chiefs defense has been, um, you know, very good. But I think the one place you can pick at is actually the run defense and where they rank right there. So I think the return of Nick Bolton definitely helps shore that run defense up a little more. I mean, I am interested to see um, because of how good Leo Chanel and um, Willie Gay and, and Tranquil have played, how this affects the rotation overall, like who snaps get cut into the most because of this, because you have to put Nick Bolton back on the field. He's an all-pro linebacker at this point, so you have to put him back on the field. But then the three linebackers behind that have played very well in his absence. Like you said, Nick, we haven't really talked about it that much because of how good it they, they have played in his absence. So it's interesting to see 
how the rotation is. Also good that they don't have to necessarily rush him back and they can wait till he's fully capable of doing everything he can. So it, it is an interesting thing to kind of see how this is going to play out. Well, this Chiefs defense is getting ready for the Packers Sunday night, Sunday night football. And the Packers have quietly been playing pretty good ball over the last month or so. If you just want to look at the last two weeks, not just two straight wins for the first time all season for this team, but two quality wins. Like you can say, we can we can make our jokes about the Chargers. I don't think anybody would expect the Packers to beat the Chargers, right? Like you're going and getting a win that on paper you shouldn't. I don't even know what the line was in that game. But the Lions on, th- on Thanksgiving, like that was as an impressive win as you could fathom. Like that was a what, nine and a half point spread in favor of the Lions. And the Packers controlled that game from the get-go and really never let Detroit get back into that one. So as the Chiefs are getting ready for this in prime time, Maurice, why don't we start with you? What is your key for a Chiefs win on Sunday night? Uh, my key for a Chiefs win is, is kind of going to be cliche because, of course, this, this guy is a, a key to every Chiefs win. But um, Travis Kelsey, I feel like Travis Kelsey is really key um, as he is every week. But I think you're starting to see it more than ever. If this receiving core is going to be anything formidable to keep the Chiefs going forward, it starts it starts with Travis Kelsey and not just him making the plays and making the catches and making the numbers that he do, but just the attention that he grabs and and how many people, you know, when he runs the route and if he's doing a crossing route versus and another receiver's coming back on the crossing route, the coverage is going to Travis Kelsey. And I think, you know, how some of the Chiefs receivers do struggle in beating man coverage or getting open or and finding those spots in the zone. I think Travis Kelsey just plays a key part in this because he commands so much attention. So I think a key a key to the Chiefs' um, victory and continuing on, you know, as their offense moves forward, it's just Travis Kelsey doing what Travis Kelsey does and doing it in the, in, 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 in the way that Travis Kelsey always does it. But I just think he, he's going to be that glue. When he draws that attention to him, it opens up to other receivers. If they start paying attention to the other receivers and take less attention off him, then that means he's going to be open. He's going to find that opening to be able to be that um, Mahomes, continue to be Mahomes' go-to. So I really think that's just a huge key this week is just that continuance of, of, of Travis Kelsey involved in the offense. Nate, I'm curious to get your take on this because the offense did seem to get into a rhythm last week in a way that we haven't really seen much this season. And like you just said, Maurice, it's not just that Kelsey was getting involved. It's that play after play after play. He's wide open, right? The typical, oh, okay, they forgot to guard Kelsey. Like he found that spot in the zone where there's nobody within five yards of him and it worked all day long. Do you think, Nate, that is more of why the offense opened up or was that a product of other things the Chiefs were doing? I think one difference with Kelsey this week was that they finally got Kelsey going downfield, which I think is something that has been like a bit of a struggle recently. Kelsey's like average depth of target coming into the week was like by far the lowest of his career. And I thought that's something that you saw Sunday. They were getting him like deep downfield shots. He was running like deep over routes. He's running deep kind of crossing routes and things like that. And I wonder if that's something that they feel that they need to do to kind of get like stretch defenses out a little more because they are a little bit pressed for speed at wide receivers. So maybe using Kelsey a little bit more vertically is something that can help them out more. Um, but yeah, I think there is no coincidence that when the offense looks good, it's because of the fact that Kelsey is playing well. 
And prior to last week, those prior three weeks where they really struggled against the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Eagles, was largely because Travis Kelsey played bad games in all those games. So for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, they can't have Travis Kelsey having any bad games in the playoffs. So they got to get him back in a rhythm and got to get him playing his best football again. Yeah, it was a it was a fun sight to see. Six catches, 91 yards for Travis Kelsey in that win versus the Raiders. Nate, we'll just stick with you and get your key for the Chiefs this week. Yeah, well, you kind of talked about how the Packers have been playing better recently, and I think that kind of starts with what they're doing on offense. Um, particularly the last two games, their offense has been humming. It's been very sharp for the most part. And I think one thing that is, you know, something I noticed just watching them the past two games that I've been able to watch them is they're definitely doing a better job of getting explosive passes. Um, it feels like they found kind of a rhythm because they really struggled with that early in the year. But they're getting Christian Watson and Jaden Reed. They're getting them downfield targets. And I think that's something that they found is kind of a formula for success without Aaron Jones, who I, I'm just going to guess isn't playing Sunday based off that knee injury against the Chargers. Um, they really struggle to run the football, but they're doing these deep play action shots, getting Jordan Love throwing vertically downfield. So for the Chiefs, that's going to be you know a challenge for their second level, their third levels, their defense, making sure that they kind of stop this because the Packers aren't, I don't think, a down-to-down, super efficient offense because of the fact they struggle to run the ball. But they have been a good offense against, you know, admittedly two good or bad defenses in the lines of Chargers by taking these downfield shots. For the Chiefs, they're just going to have to find a way to kind of limit those for the most part. Jaden Reed's been an interesting player for the Packers, and it's, I think, even more noteworthy when you go back to the injury report that he didn't practice today. Today is Wednesday, by the way, so a lot could change between now and Sunday night. But Jaden Reed has been kind of stuck behind both Watson and Romeo Dobbs on the Packers' depth chart, rookie out of Michigan State. And yet, all season long, it's been pretty apparent he is one of, if not the most talented weapons that they have on offense. So in, in order to get him more involved in the offense, they've had to get more creative with how they get him involved. And you've seen, not just since the Aaron Jones injury, but even before that, trying to get him more involved in the run game. He had a rushing touchdown, I think, versus the Chargers. He had a couple carries, a big explosive run in the first half of that win versus the Lions. They're starting to realize sort of their identity on offense, who their best players are. And with LaFleur being a great play caller, I'll be interested to see how much more of that evolves. And if we see another instance of that versus the Chiefs, because I think if you're just going back and watching film, like you said, Nate, this team has grown a lot. If you're going back and watching film on this team from two months ago, I don't know how much that's going to help you if you're getting ready for this game on Sunday night if you're the Chiefs. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's uh, recently, you know, the progress they've shown is just really kind of remarkable. Because I'll, I'll admit, when I watched some of their games earlier, I was like, this is like a mess. Like, they were bad just like, team. They looked like a anything. bad team. It, they looked really bad. But the last two, three weeks, they've looked so much sharper. And I think it's just a reminder, like their offense is like so drastically younger than anyone else. But when you put together a smart play caller, um, with you know decent young talent around them eventually it's just going to take time so I think the last two weeks they've shown that th this is a serious offense that deserves kind of um, you know attention they, they Chiefs can't have a start like they did against the Raiders necessarily and expect to um, you know have a chance to win by multiple scores potentially or win the game period before we switch because it's going to be a good transition into my key for this game before we do switch since we just talked about the Chiefs defense and what they're getting prepared for I think we need to take just a quick moment and recognize George Karloftis, who got another sack versus the Raiders. He's got eight on the season. I know personally, I've been so enamored by the growth and Trent McDuffie's rise into superstardom in his second year that like I've almost ignored 
George Karloftis and the season that he's having, but I'm I'm pretty floored with the fact that from that Tyreek Hill trade, and don't pay attention to what Tyreek Hill's doing. That's not part of this conversation. But what you were able to get in those two first-round picks in two guys who halfway through their second season look like they are absolutely the real deal and perhaps on their way to becoming young stars in this league. I don't know if you could have drawn it up any better. Like the day when the Chiefs made that trade for Tyreek Hill, I don't think any of us could have imagined that the draft picks that they got in return would have yielded these many results this early. George Karloftis having a hell of a season in year two. Yeah, and it, 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 I think it's I've kind of been the same way, Nick. It's like, and when they when some, when they said eight sacks, I was like, eight sacks. Yeah. And then I had to go back and start thinking. I'm like, wow, his name had been called a lot, but like you just never it never registered that George Karloftis by by all means probably is going to have a double digit sack season, right? And and almost what doubled the results from what he had last year if he gets there. And it's it's been an amazing growth. He's been a consistent presence, not only just in pass rushing rundowns. He's been solid uh, at setting the edge on the run. I mean, you even seen him, you know, spag especially dropping dropping them back in cover sometimes. Like, so he's been doing it all, and just to see his the growth of him and Trent McDuffie to only be in their second years and bring to the defense what they brought to the defense, um, it's it's a sight to see. It really is. Yeah, George Karlaftis continues to just surpass I think any expectation anyone could have him. I mean, I was pretty high on him during that draft, and I thought like. Good starter, nothing special though. Like you, you weren't gonna maybe have him kind of as a building block your defense. But I mean, the past year, basically calendar year, Carl Loftus has been among the league leader in pressures. Period, and he just showed continual improvement. I think the way he's moving is so much better than he was last year. I think the work he did with Tom Mahali clearly worked. Um, whatever it was, it, it seemed to work for the most part. So. Yeah, I think Carl Loftus, you know, McDuffie Kent Street is the superstar of the defense. And I don't think Carl Loftus would be a superstar, but he certainly now looks like a building block long term. And when you find two building blocks for a young defense who are, you know, can stick around for a decade, that's just a massive credit to the front office for nailing both those picks. They, they couldn't have expected it, but it's happened so well. So I'm doing the math now because you just you got me thinking there, Nate. In 11 games this season, he's got eight sacks. And so if we're to like extrapolate that for a full season, if I go back to his final six games of last year, he had one, two, three, four, five and a half sacks. So (laughs) we're talking about 13 and a half sacks over his last 17 games. That's pretty incredible for a guy who entered the Mm -hmm. league 15 months ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, and And he's still super young. And that's a position where guys take, time to develop yes it sometimes yes. takes guys two three years to where they start hitting their strides as a pass rusher in the nfl i mean i this is more of a kind of a negative one i guess but like even look at like felix and Ozama, like yeah. and i don't even think this is like super concerning but he's like not even hardly getting on the field right now and i was actually just looking at a bunch of the stats here today a lot of the rookies in this past class haven't done a ton either it's just not a common thing for a rookie pass rusher to step in and be instantly good and i think the thing looking back that we probably underrated was the fact that he was instantly a starter. And the fact that that is so hard for defensive ends as a rookie, especially on a team as that's contending for Super Bowls, it usually is like they have to sit year one on the bench. The Chiefs had guys last year. They had Carlos mm-hmm. Dunlap. They had Frank Clark. They had Mike Dana. 
and they were willing to start and play George Karloftis every single snap. But I think all that experience is paying off now. So like it, it really, they deserve so much credit for how well they developed him for the most part because they had a perfect plan for him and he's lived up to everything they've asked out of him. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, so there we go. We properly gave George Karloftis his flowers, even though it took us until there were six games left in the regular season. Um, I want to go back to what you were talking about, Nate, with the Packers offense and starting to hit a rhythm. Guys are starting to settle into roles. And I'm not willing to say that that's happening on the Chiefs offense, even though we have been clamoring for it. Chiefs fans have been asking for it all season long. But last week, almost, this offense was forced into settling into a rhythm and a hierarchy in that wide receiver room, mostly because of injuries, right? You didn't have McCole Hardman. You didn't have Kadarius Toney. And that forced this wide receiver rotation to shrink. Nate, I'm stealing your bit. You're the guy who always makes basketball references. I'm going to do it now. College basketball. If anybody watches college basketball during the season, most teams are using eight, nine man rotations. And then all of a sudden the NCAA tournament starts and what happens? Those rotations shrink. It becomes a six-man rotation, break glass in case of emergency. There's a seventh guy you can bring in if somebody's in foul trouble. But once you get to the most crucial part of the season, what do coaches do? They go with what they trust. Hey, we may have been giving you some minutes. We may have been giving you some snaps to give this guy a breather, keep him fresh, keep him healthy. But once the games really matter, we're going to play the guys we trust. Now, I don't have any reason to believe that we're starting to see that because if both of those guys are healthy and Tony and Hardman this week, I expect them to play. How much? What's the rotation look like? I don't really know. But what was the result of that shrinking last week was not just the offense and the passing game, which looked more in sync than it has for quite some time, but we saw Rasheed Rice have a career day. And I think the big highlight play is what we're going to go back to because that was him showcasing all the reasons the Chiefs drafted him, right? He, he had good feel. He showed his strength. He showed his explosion. He was able to finish and get a touchdown. Like it was all of the above. He finished the game, eight catches, 107 yards, and one touchdown. What was, I think, most notable, though, is that Rasheed Rice had 10 targets. And all the other Chiefs wide receivers combined had four. Justin Watson had three. MVS had one. And I don't really know or care what the pecking order is in this wide receiver room. 
All I know is Rasheed Rice is one. Pick your other two or three and roll with that the rest of the season. I'm not saying it's always going to look like it looked against the Raiders, but that was clearly a cut above what we've been seeing from this passing offense across the course of the year. And I feel like there's a sign in there. I feel like there's something in there that can be repeatable, that can be sustainable. It's another question entirely if Andy Reid and Matt Nagy are going to take that sign and run with it. But I want to continue to see that. I want to continue to see to go with what works. It was the Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco game. Everybody else picks up the table scraps. I would love, love, love to see them try that again versus the Packers. Focus on your best players. Let everybody else fill in the gaps. I mean, and what, what was inter- interesting when I went back and looked at it and, and started looking at the numbers, this was, uh, you know, according to P- PFF, this was the most that he has ever lined up and played outside. Because, you know, predominantly all season they've been using them in a slot. And it says, I mean, six, 63% of his snaps this, this past week was spent on the outside. And I think that's where he thrives at. And another thing that I think that creates is the ability to put um, Sky Moore in a position that where he may thrive more, which is honestly probably out of the slot instead of outside. So I do think this is a recipe for success. And even if when Kadarius Tony gets healthy, stays healthy, you know that whole thing. Running him out in the slot puts him in a better position, in my opinion, to succeed as well. So I think not only just using Rasheed Rice the way they used him and making sure he gets those targets where they used where where the Chiefs used them this this past week, I think it needs to continue as well. There were two plays from Rice's game that kind of stood out to me. The first one was it was on third and eight. It was on the third drive and they were in the red zone. And they put Travis Kelsey on the backside of a formation and they had a bunch to the other side. And Bryce was on the further outside of the bunch. And the Raiders decided to go with what, like a double team and man coverage across. That's what teams have been playing against the Chiefs for weeks now. And they were able to get Rice on a horizontal play. I believe it went for like 20 yards. It was an explosive play on third and eight. And what that kind of showed me was the Chiefs, you can use Rice to get teams out of man coverage. Teams are just doubling Travis Kelsey and playing man coverage against everyone else because they aren't threatened by anyone else. But if you're able to get Rice going horizontally and get him with the ball in his hands at space, that's it's going to be a problem for defenses because we've seen how explosive he is in space, how hard he is to tackle. If that gets the teams into more zone coverage, then that can really help you know get Travis Kelsey kind of easier uh, ability to get yards and catches and things like that. And the other play that stood out, I think everybody knows, was that fade route on the sideline where he was you know isolated by himself. Mahomes had a free access throw to him, took it, perfect throw. That's something they weren't, they haven't done at any other point this year, but they finally decided to bring that out. That's just something else that they could add to their offense that they don't have to use Travis Kelsey on the backside of all these formations and where, you know, he's going to face more man coverage. He's going to get beat up more. So I hopefully like Rice hopefully is the solution to get teamed out of certain coverages because nobody else on the Chiefs like dictates the way a defense plays except Kelsey. But if Rice can't too, then it becomes a lot easier to kind of build an offense that helps alleviate pressure off Kelsey. Guys, I'm just saying, primetime Sunday night football, no better time to like establish Rasheed Rice as the next wide receiver one in Kansas City. Put the world, put the NFL fan base on watch. Rasheed Rice is here. The Chiefs have their new star weapon. All right, let's get into our predictions for this one. 
This game is Sunday night in Green Bay. I checked the weather. It's looking like 32. Pretty calm. That's pretty average for what you would think of for a night game in Green Bay. The Chiefs are six-point favorites. Maurice, how are you feeling about this one? <laughs> I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about this. I feel like um, definitely if Jerry Alexander, Alexander doesn't play, um, I don't trust anyone else really in the Packers secondary to be able to slow the Chiefs offense down. If the Chiefs are able to click like um, like they did against the Raiders, I really see the Chiefs offense being able to get to the 30 mark again. Um, if if it clicks, that's 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 the if part. If 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 if, if this is sustainable. So I'm gonna take a chance that it is, and I am going to go 35 to 17 Chiefs. That's a big score. Yeah, that's a lot of points. 31 last week, by the way, was the most points. Well, the, the Chiefs had scored, I think, 31 against the Chargers, but it was the first time that they had a zero turnover game since the Vikings game, wow. which was back in like week four or five, which <laughs> that was pretty remarkable when you think about what you come to expect from a Patrick Mahomes-led offense. Nate, 35-17, that's going to be tough to top. How you? Where are you going with this one? Yeah, um, I'm also going to pick the Chiefs winning by multiple scores. Uh, the Packers those past two weeks have been impressive. I thought last week versus the Lions, it was the case where the Lions defense is really struggling recently, and they also turned the ball over a bunch. I don't really think there's – like, they're definitely playing better now than they were to start the year, but I'm still not sold on this team being, like, a true, like, playoff team by any means. I just think they had kind of got two good matchups. So I think they'll come out and play well, but ultimately I just think the Chiefs just have way more talent, way more developed talent right now. And a primetime game, uh, still a young team. We'll see how they kind of respond to that environment. So I'm going to go Chiefs 31-20. Um, late touchdown, though, kind of pushes it. I was going to have 31-13, but the Packers will score late. So 31-20, I think the Chiefs kind of went comfortably, kind of the same way they did last week. This is about that time of the year, guys, right? This is the same time last year. I think it was a little bit later, maybe the next week, week 14. The Chiefs ripped off five wins in a row to end the regular season, didn't lose again. We've seen this time and time again over the last four or five years. Maybe they are feeling stuff out early in the season. They're kind of finding their footing, trying to figure out what their identity is going to be, who the guys are going to be. And then they are almost always peaking at the right time. I'm hopeful, like you guys said, that this is the beginning of that. That doesn't always mean it's going to be blowouts, but this team knows how to trend upwards and be playing their best football entering the postseason and what better time after kind of blowing a great opportunity to establish yourself and announce, Hey, we're here. We're still the chiefs two weeks ago in on your home field against the Eagles. And I know that we may not care about it as much, but I can promise you those players care like Patrick Mahomes cares about what people are saying. You know, you see all the stuff, the petty little stuff he's putting on social media. He cares about being respected. And right now, a lot of talk about the Eagles, a lot of talk about the 49ers, Ravens playing great football, Chiefs kind of falling by the wayside where they've been all season long. This would be a great opportunity to confirm your dominance over the AFC on a national stage. So I guess I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going to go 28 to 17, 28 to 17. So I'll give it a multiple score win. I'll give it a cover for the Chiefs and uh, another explosive game from the Kansas City offense. So I'm glad we're all aligned. What could possibly go wrong by all of us picking multiple score wins with the way that this offense has been playing this year? But let's go for it. Come on. Let's go for it, man. Let's see. 
All right, we're coming down the home stretch. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate you listening with us all season long. We will be back again next week, same time, same place. For Nate Christensen, Maurice Elston, I am Nick Schwartz. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you guys next week. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe.